Tropical Smoothie Cafe is getting a lot of people to drink smoothies, but it's also getting people to eat there, too. Hello, I'm Jonathan Maves, Executive Editor of Restaurant Business Magazine, and this week's edition of A Deeper Dive features Charles Watson, the CEO of Tropical Smoothie. The smoothie and food chain has quietly been one of the most consistent performers in the restaurant business in recent years. It recently opened its 800th unit after finishing last year with 719. It has more than doubled in size since 2013, with the growth coming from aggressive development as well as annual increases in same-store sales. Charles talks about growth in the brand's food business and how the company gets customers to order items like flatbreads along with its traditional smoothies. But he also talks about how smoothies have become mainstream and why digital is going to be a bigger and incremental business for the brand going forward. Later, I talk about growth and how some brands focus on unit growth above all else. But first, here is Charles Watson. Okay, I am here with Charles Watson. Charles, welcome to the podcast. Jonathan, how are you, sir? Fantastic. So, uh, uh, look, I'm looking at uh, Tropical Smoothie, uh, and your numbers have been extremely impressive. 20% growth last year, uh, more than doubled in size, really, over the past five years. What is it about uh, uh, smoothies that, that keep you growing like this? Well, I'm 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 in a good I'm in a good spot. I think we're uh the smoothie market in general, I would tell you is has got a pretty good growth rate on it. Um juice and smoothies, that most of the research combines both, is about a two point five billion dollar industry in twenty nineteen. Um and we're seeing the research telling us we're probably gonna get a close to two percent growth on that in twenty nineteen. Um, so I'm in a good space. It's a good space to operate in. Um, and globally, smoothies are growing at about 7%. So we like we like the space that we're in. We've been in it for 22 years, so it's not like we chose it <laughs> based on the 20-year uh, outgrowth rate. But I think we're in a very good space. And I think what Tropical Smoothie does uh, very well is, is three things. Um, first and foremost and always for our brand, it's, it's a complete commitment to franchisees. Uh, we are a 99.99999% franchisee system. We only own one corporate location. Um, so we are absolutely focused on our franchisees at all times for their input, for their feedback, uh, because they are out in the markets uh, working every day. That's number one is being committed to our franchisees and having that relationship. Number two, over the years, we have created a model that has great unit level economics. Uh, and obviously by that, I mean our average unit volume uh, and our development costs. So uh, our average unit volume at Tropical Smoothie Cafe in 2018 was about $730,000, and our development costs are about $350,000. So we've got that two-to-one investment ratio that we talk a lot about. We've got that going. Uh, and then number three, I would say, uh, quite honestly, we have a, a menu and offerings um, that have uh, wide offerings, right? We've got about 36% of our sales in our food products, uh, and uh, the other uh, is smoothies. So we have the ability to service all day parts, uh, which is very nice for us to be able to drive sales. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So is it now? Is it traditionally what? What are the occasions that people will 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 get get your smoothies? I mean, where where are you? Where are you strongest? Sure. So our business really on a daily basis looks a bit like a bell curve. 
uh, when we start at breakfast, uh, and then we peak out at lunch. We're definitely a lunch-heavy brand Monday through Friday, so we're we're competing with a, a lot of the other lunch-heavy brands. The the extra day parts that we really have that, that drive our business is probably that afternoon snack day part. We're pretty strong there, but but really between. 7 a.m. and 2 in the afternoon, about 50% of our business comes in, and then the other 50% of our business comes between 2 and 9 p.m. So we've got good a, a good split there, but lunch heavy, uh, and with that afternoon day part, uh, that snacking day part is, is very helpful to us. That's what drives our sales. Right. So, so they're either getting it for – they're coming in and getting it for breakfast, or they are – um, or they're, you know, and they're frequently replacing lunch with, with a smoothie and, or, or they might come in for a snack later on in the afternoon. That's, that's where you're seeing a lot of the demand. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, being able to service both of those, right? I mean, remember smoothie started as a, a meal replacement mm-hmm. and we absolutely have plenty of customers that they come in and, and get a, get a smoothie as a, as a meal replacement or for lunch. But I think what differentiates our brand is that um, we do have uh, what you would call the, the quick casual restaurant component in terms of having an expansive menu of wraps and flatbreads and salads, et cetera, um, that drive that 36% of food sales. So we can do both, basically, kind of a two-headed monster, uh, and I think that helps us, uh, helps us quite a bit. And it also, when you're in a group setting, it doesn't knock us out, kind of like traditional restaurants. You, you have the alcohol knockout. Uh, we have, uh, we're able to fight against the knockout of, oh, they don't have food. It's just smoothies. I'm not in the mood for a smoothie weekend. Uh, we can handle those groups that, that want food or smoothie. Was that something? Um, w- remind me when you guys decided uh, to uh, to to start adding more food to the brand. Was that something? Uh, uh, I might be wrong here. It doesn't seem to me that it, that was something that's always been part of the brand. That that was added later on, wasn't it? Well, we've we've had it for for quite some time. The brand really started in 1997, um, and really by 2000, the two guys who founded the company, Eric Jenrich and David Walker, realized pretty early on that while you know in our business smoothies do have nice margins to them, um, that they couldn't drive enough volume through the business, and so they very quickly, about three four years in, added the food component. Um, I mean, we've been through multiple iterations like many brands, right? Tropical mm-hmm. Smoothie Cafe and Deli, Tropical yeah. Smoothie uh, Deli, et cetera. But they started with boar's head meats and, and slicing meats, kind of almost like a Jersey Mike's type look. And we've evolved through the years um, to be a very portable, um, full meal, but also very portable and snackable. And I think that's helping us in the current environment as well. Um, our flatbreads are highly portable. Our wraps are highly portable. And obviously, the smoothies are portable. Um, so I think... The, the decisions made in the past to add the food offering have built over time to reach somewhat this apex of this 60-40 split that we're enjoying now. And we think that going forward, that's probably about the comfortable split for our business. Uh, smoothie is in our name. We are smoothie professionals. We know that business backwards and forwards, but we're pretty, pretty darn good at food. Uh, and that 40% of our business uh, you know, uh, speaks to that uh, with our consumer base. So what kind of volume does it drive? I mean, you, I assume, is it... Uh, I mean, are people coming in, they're getting a smoothie and they're getting food? Are they, um, are they just, uh, are you getting more people just ordering food or is it, is it sort of a, as much a defensive mechanism as anything else where, where a couple of people come in and somebody gets a smoothie and then the other person might get a flatbread? I would say, especially being being lunch heavy, with about forty percent of our business coming through the the lunch day part, um, we're we're getting a lot of a, a lot of food sales. So on average, I would say about thirty five to forty percent 
uh, of folks are getting food and smoothie um, combined, uh, and then the rest is smoothie only or food only. Um, but we, we get a lot of we get a lot of uh, pairing and a lot of comboing of both of those items. Um, we have different customer sets. Um, typically, when we look at the smoothie only, um, that could be driven by a health or a meal replacement perspective. The average person, though, will look at a – we have one size of smoothie currently at 24 ounces uh, in our wraps and flatbreads and salads, et cetera. Uh, I'm a big guy, so a full 24-ounce smoothie and a, and a wrap and a piece of fruit or a wrap and chips is a perfect lunch for me, right? It's, you know, $10, $11, $12. Uh, it's exactly what I'm looking for. For some, that's too much food. So um, I think you can almost see the split in our business of food only, only smoothie only, and food and smoothie kind of goes right along with, with what our customers are looking for and how much, um, how much food uh, and beverage they're looking to, to consume at, at a particular day part. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so like a, a few years ago, you had McDonald's adding smoothies. We've seen a lot more major brands sort of add these products to their menus and you guys have sort of rolled, uh, been rolling right along despite that. Um, any, you know, has that just sort of added attention to, to smoothies or is, is demand for this product increasing so much that it, it's been able to sort of withstand so much more supply of, of, of the product on the market? So I would say it's a great question, and I will be the first to tell you that um, our company used to be located in uh, Destin, Florida, and I was down working in Destin when uh, when McDonald's uh, announced smoothies. And to say we had a two or three day strategy session would be an, would be an understatement. We were absolutely worried about it and what that would do from from our share. What we found very quickly, and I believe it remains so today, is that a, a, a mega brand like McDonald's or others that may be adding um, the smoothie. Uh, component to their menus, smoothies are now ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. They have they have completely mainstreamed in my opinion, but are still growing. They're mainstream but but growing. I think what we've been able to do is to carve a niche as a smoothie expert. I believe that our product is a different smoothie product than a lot of our competitors that are adding on. Uh, whether it be you know pre-made or or fabricated, um, all natural uh, fruits and vegetables that we use and, and being made right in front of you and blended right in front of you, I think differentiates us and, and keeps us in our consumers' minds as the smoothie expert. I know with all the uh, all the other people in the industry that you talk about, talk to. The idea of specialization um, is becoming more and more important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the buffet style of I have everything from pizza to burgers to smoothies to, is, I think, less attractive to the average American consumer these days because they want high quality. If they want chicken wings, they want to go to Wingstop. If they want a smoothie, they want to go to Tropical Smoothie. Um, so I think that specialization piece is very important to us. And, you know, I, I like to think of us as, as very differentiated in the product that we offer uh, and the consumers that we offer it to. So, and as I mentioned, the stats I mentioned earlier, absolutely, the market is growing itself because smoothies have mainstreamed, um, certainly in the United States and even more so uh, globally as well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the, the specialization element of it is, is that's, a, that's an extremely good point. I think the the industry is um, shifting sort of away from a, you know, sort of from concepts that try to be everything to everybody. It's very, very, very hard to do that. And consumers really do tend to prefer going to places that, you know, that specialize in what they're craving for. So, um, I mean, you mentioned yep. Wingstop is a, a perfect example because when, when McDonald's, that's another one where McDonald's 
said, hey, we're going to add chicken wings. And, and there was a collective freakout in the entire chicken wing sector where, um, <laughs> yep. and I mean, the price. From a supply ch- side oh, as well. Oh, yeah, right? from yeah. a supply side, everybody freaked out. Um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the cost of chicken wings just exploded. Uh, everybody was hoarding chicken wings cause they were worried about what would happen when McDonald's got into the market. Uh, people were predicting the death of, of, of Wingstop and, and hurt for Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm pretty certain their stock went down at the time and, uh, nothing happened. Um, uh, you know, Wingstop, uh, yep. more than survived. In fact, I recall talking to Charlie Morrison at the time and he, he said, uh, we didn't feel anything. And um, uh, our, you yep. know, their sales went up when they were testing. So it, it seems like, if anything, sort of, you, you know, getting to the point back to, to smoothies, McDonald's sort of, you know, brought, you know, was sort of an in, in indicator that smoothies are mainstream, as you, as you mentioned, and, and, uh, are, were, and have clearly been strong enough to, uh, you know, to be a product on, on, on a menu like that. And then if somebody wants a smoothie, yeah, maybe I might grab one at McDonald's or maybe I might go to, to Tropical Smoothie to get one. Well, I think a big part. I think a big part of our brand, Jonathan, is also the idea of discovery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think consumers also want to discover. They want to explore. And and McDonald's, God bless them. Yeah, they do introduce. They do introduce concepts to the masses, whether it's smoothies or chicken wings, et cetera. And they have the scale to do so. Um, and many times, it's very accretive. I, you know, I had the pleasure of having lunch with Charlie about two months ago in Dallas. He's one of my favorites and one of the people I look to uh, as a leader in the industry. And we talked a little bit th- about this as well, but. Consumers want to explore, and ultimately, I believe they want to move upstream. And to me, moving upstream is going to the specialist for a particular product. In Tropical Smoothie Cafe's case, of course, I believe in my brand and I believe in our products, and I'll put our smoothie product up against any any competitor any day of the week. That said, I also have another food component um, that adds to what we have to offer our consumers, and what we really focus on at Tropical Smoothie is what we call the attach rate. We have loyal, rabid smoothie fans. When I put our Chipotle Chicken Club flatbread in their hand, I have to get over the challenge of, oh, my gosh, I didn't know you had food. Because when I put that food product in their hand, they love it, right? And, and we've done that for many years now, and that's how we've gotten to a 40% food sale. Um, but people initially come to us as the smoothie experts, and we're going to continue to lead with that. That's, we're, we're known for smoothies, and we're going to continue to lead with it. doesn't mean our product innovation will slow down or our beverage innovation will slow down, uh, but we, we're going to stick to our knitting and, and, and be the best smoothie provider out there. How do you get people to uh, order food along with a smoothie? How do you convince people to do that when, when you're known for one thing and then getting them to try something else? That, that seems like um, always a, a perpetual challenge in the restaurant space. And, you know, and for somebody like, for a concept like you where, I mean, you know, you, 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 you have that attach rate, you know, that, that can have a significant uh, impact on, on your sales and your unit volumes. Absolutely. And so it isn't easy, <laughs> right? When you're known for something, if, if Wingstop were to go and start offering pizza, they'd have, to, they'd have the same issue that we do. But we've been working at it for, as we said, 15 years or so. So we've, we've been able to move the needle slowly and steadily. And quite honestly, we believe that the business mix that we have now uh, is very accretive for our franchisee operators, right? That, that mix of 
penny profit on the food side and margin on the smoothie side uh, makes for um, a nice flow through and a nice profitability percentage. So we're very we're very happy with it. But through the years, absolutely, from an LTO perspective, from the POP in our cafes, our catering programs, et cetera, uh, we're putting one foot in front of the other. We obviously believe the best way to make a great impact is to have great food products. We want to sell more food. we got to have great food products, right? Uh, same thing on the smoothie side. We've had great success over the past 12 months uh, with our quesadilla offerings. Um, those have, have really, really made a big splash. And again, when I look at that and I look at our other food offerings, I, I really believe in it, and I'd love to move us almost to the, the technology or the digital discussion because I think that's where we will compete very, very well in terms of our smoothies do, do last for a solid amount of time from a delivery perspective, uh, and our food uh, packaged correctly and delivered efficiently um, also is highly portable. So I think we have a very good one-two punch uh, in the new world that we are facing with 30, 40, 50% of sales coming through digital channels, which is where I believe we're going. I think we also compete there well because we're going to get a look on Grubhub, Uber Eats, et cetera, because we're the smoothie expert, right? If I want a smoothie and I'm craving a smoothie, that's where I'm going to go. I don't think we're all the way to I'm going to go on Grubhub and I'm going to order wings from Wingstop and I'm going to put in an order for a smoothie, a tropical smoothie, but it could. It could go there because what you're craving is a specific product from a specific brand, uh, and I, I think that's what will be fun to watch over the next three to five years. Right, right. Um... So let's let's talk about uh, these digital efforts. Um, you uh, you uh, t- tell me where you're at uh, on delivery right now. So on delivery, we are on all all major channels. We haven't we haven't married one uh, in particular. Um, so it is accounting for roughly 11% of our business. Um, so we're we're happy with that, but we think there's a long way to go. My vision for our company uh, is to be over 50% digital transactions uh, by 2025. Uh, we think that's uh, something that we can accomplish, and we think that's the direction that we're moving. So we're going to go all in. That said. I, previous to my role as CEO, was not a chief information officer. So as you might imagine, if I'm going to accomplish that vision, I'm bringing on a new chief marketing officer uh, and a new chief information and digital officer uh, from established brands in a franchise space. So to enable that vision, I need the talent to help me do it. And and the vision ultimately, again, Tropical Smoothie lives at the intersection of of really taste and convenience, uh, in my opinion. Um, And as I think through it, my goal, and we'll call it what it is, I'm, I'm chasing Starbucks, I'm chasing Chipotle, et cetera, um, is to be able to, to provide our guests a wonderfully effortless experience, and I need to enable that through technology. Full transparency, that's a ton of investment that's going on in our POS platform right now. Um, so we have to get the foundation in place so that we can execute even better in the future. We've got a lot, a lot of work going on with the Tropical Smoothie Cafe uh, app. Um, again, it's, it's great, but it can be better. So a lot of foundational elements being put in place to provide a completely frictionless digital experience for our guests, and that is where we believe we can win. I'm going to have great smoothie and food products, but I need to be any place, anywhere, anytime for a consumer who's craving uh, tropical smoothie in our offerings. So did you say 11, is it 11% delivery right now or 11% digital? Uh, 20, 20% digital, 11% delivery. Wow. I mean, 11% delivery sounds like a lot to me, um, uh, especially given that it's, it's relatively new. And I could tell you there are a lot of brands uh, that would, that would uh, uh, you know, where 
very few brands to me seem to 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 be that high at this particular point, uh, unless I'm uh, mistaken. But I'm, let me let, let me. I mean, I've got I've got yeah, that's fair, and I've I've got my app in there. So you're right. It's 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 probably twenty percent digital, and we use a company called Easy Cater. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of catering business through Easy Cater. So when you roll up our app delivery and easy cater that's where you get to the 20 percent. so I, I apologize if my, my oh, no, numbers that's... are off there but we're probably uh yeah we're probably we're probably more in the six seven percent range uh on just third-party delivery i tend to look at it as kind of all digital channels at once so so right. sorry if my, <laughs> my no it was a little shocking it's probably about six percent just no, third it's, party. it's fine well it's still it's still that's still a fairly you know in, impressive it's percentage. a good number it's a mm-hmm. it's a pretty good number right yeah and, and and I think we're just scratching the surface. I don't. So, when I say well, I think we're just scratching the surface, it's because we haven't had a concentrated effort, both on the partnership side, right, to really right. dig in with with the different third party de- uh, delivery folks on how Tropical Smoothie can can look on those sites. Um, so just scratching the surface, and and with. Uh, a new marketing leader and a new uh, digital officer, I feel like we can really lean into that. And that's how I grow. Um, I grow that 20 to 50% for, for total digital. And ultimately, yes, I do believe in that third-party channel, and, and I believe it can work and believe it can be profitable both for uh, the delivery faction as well as, as well as the brand. I'm one who falls into the camp of I do believe it is incremental. Yeah, you do believe it's, it's incremental sales when you can get these, uh, when you can get people to... Order delivery. Absolutely, I, I do. Yes, mm-hmm. that's 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 the side of the line that I fall on. Absolutely, right. Well, I mean, I could see where certainly with um, with 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 smoothies uh, in particular um, tends to travel well. I think, as you've mentioned, uh, a lot of your food um, uh, certainly travels well, um, and you know, it's not something. Um, you know, smoothie is certainly isn't something that sitting at home that I can make very easily on my own. I mean, I can make an effort, uh, but, uh, you know, that's not something (laughs) that I'm not really, um, I can, you know, I have a nice blender and stuff like that, but I really just don't always have the ingredients and, you know, certainly I can get that something like that delivered and, uh, for a couple of different people, I think that would be, you know, that's definitely something that can work. Absolutely. Yeah. And on the quality side, we got to make sure we, we make it better and more consistently than you can at home. And that is one thing about smoothies uh, as well is that it requires a trip to the grocery store, right? You, you want three, four, five ingredients to make a fantastic smoothie. And to get that, you know, many of our smoothies have five, ser- five plus servings of fruits and vegetables in them. To get that balance, again, that's where you have to believe that, that we're the experts and it's, it's worth, the, uh, worth the cost of the, of the uh, product as well as the delivery fee. Uh, for that convenience, and we believe that uh, the, the consumer is is willing to pay for convenience. Uh, we what's going to happen over the next 12 to 24 months is is the haggling that goes back and forth to make make sure that it makes sense for the consumer, the brand, and the and the delivery. Right, it's companies. yeah. So you've uh, but you've you've gone through it with a with a multi provider model, and are are you charging a higher fee for for customers? Or are you doing anything like that to to make it profitable for your operators? We are not currently. We are not currently. No, we still believe it's we. It's it's profitable sales for us, and we believe that the we believe in the incrementality. So we're completely fine operating how we are. But again, taking cues from from some of the other leaders in the industry, uh, we believe there's a lot of low hanging fruit from a, a negotiation perspective, from a, a menu mix perspective, uh, on third party channels. So we've got a lot of work to do. Um, but literally, we're a brand with 800 units that's 
thrown, you know, threw it out there three years ago and started doing it, and, we, and we're already at you know six percent of transactions coming through third party. Obviously, we're going down the same roads that that others are in terms of utilizing Olo and doing white label delivery on our app and on our uh, our website. Um, so we feel like we're we feel like we're in the game with still a lot of levers to pull to uh, to be able to drive that. Right. So now you also have uh, you have a, a a catering program. That's right. We do. We do. Mm-hmm. So um, how how is that going? That's uh, that's cat- one surprised yeah. me a little bit. Yeah. So I would tell you that catering um, doesn't account for a huge percent of our business. It's probably about one and a half to two percent of our business. A majority of that, especially in the past two years, is going through the Easy Cater group. Uh, it is not a priority for us right now in 2019. It will probably come back around as a priority for us. Um, but currently, all of our efforts are going to go towards being able to. Um, service our customers through digital channels and through third-party delivery and white-label delivery. So something's got to give. So we have a very baseline catering program that many of our operators utilize, and it's very profitable for them, and they enjoy it. Um, But in terms of a corporate push and a ton of resources um, uh, in that, um, it's not right now for for Tropical Smoothie Cafe. We have mm-hmm. the, the operators have enough to be able to play in the space and to add uh, dollars, but it's ultimately up to the operator as to whether they want to do it. So I've got people with zero catering, and I got people with a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in catering. So it's all really pretty much up to the operator at this point. Right. That t- tends to be that's fairly common to me. I think in franchise systems where it, it tends to be up to the yep. franchisee how much they do yep. with catering and that sort of thing. Uh, it tends to be a little bit more locally generated and where your where your restaurant is at and whatnot. It's it's you know, it's an interesting you know, it's an interesting business. It could be an interesting add on, but you know, it's it tends to be more locally generated rather than national. And so, Jonathan, we've sort of we sort of jumped into almost the, the visioning and the, and the digital and technology mm-hmm. side, and, and I'm most excited about that because I believe ultimately these components and the type of business that I'm creating for our franchisees, it's this type of thinking and the kind of actions that we're doing that ultimately is is driving our results. We kind of talked about our investment ratio, but you know, year to date in 2019, to give you an idea, you, you saw we opened our 800th location. Mm-hmm. Um, so far this year, we've opened 75 locations with a goal of opening uh, about 100. 130 by year end, and we're on pace for that. So very excited about that. Uh, we've sold 110 franchises so far this year. Uh, so excited about that. On average, we're we're averaging about 185 to 200 franchise sales a year over the past uh, three years. So we're we're really building our pipeline. So I think all the all the hard brand work and the hard digital work and the hard operations and training work um, is really driving our franchisees. Over 60%, Jonathan, of our uh, openings and our franchise sales come from existing franchisees. And I, I know you've heard that before, and that to me is, is the greatest sign that we can have of something's working, right? Mm-hmm. The unit level economics work, franchisees are happy they're making money because they're doubling down on our brand uh, versus going out and looking for other brands to partner with. So uh, that flywheel effect of getting your existing franchisees building, you know, unit number four, five, six, seven, we're in the midst of that right now. Um, and so we're very excited to, to keep that going and to target specific markets, whether it's Charlotte, Atlanta, Dallas, those are some of our, our key target markets right now. We're excited to get those marketing messages out from a franchise development perspective to continue to pile on uh, to these emerging markets, because ultimately we have to have success in emerging markets to reach my goal of 1500 locations or, uh, by 2025. Right. I, I, I think the, the, one of the, the signs of a strong, healthy franchise that I always look for, and, and I've done, I've been doing this a while 
and it's always going to be <laughs> are is a franch are the existing operators adding units i mean that's there is no real yep. uh uh stronger uh indication of a franchise system's health and certainly a, a growing system's health is than whether existing operators are 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 opening units and and you know i mean it's 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 not rocket science you know, really it's it's if your existing operators are making money and they are happy they are building units if they are not happy if they are not yep. making money they are not building units it's not it, it's 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 really not that that difficult and so i mean to me it's always if you know that's where a lot of your uh, systems over time that's where where your growth has to come from and and certainly um, if you know your your franchisees are are making enough money to to keep growing because your your growth has been pretty pretty impressive and and fairly consistent for 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 a long time now. Right, and and ultimately it's driven. You know, if you look at the past you know seven years of this brand, we're up over about fifty five percent in comp sales. Right, mm-hmm. so <laughs> you have to drive sales first, right, to to then get the flow through. But Jonathan, I think whether you know, I think you'd be a great guy. You know, you hear the the term the hack, like how can I do this easily? When I have friends, and I'm sure you've had this as well, that say, Hey, Jonathan, or Hey, Charles, I'm I'm thinking about looking at X Y Z franchise. That's the hack is to mm-hmm. say, Are there existing franchisees building more units? Because yeah. if they are, something's probably going right. Right. Yeah. If if yeah, if I'm a franchisee, if, if any franchisees are actually listening to this. I mean, the one thing that I would do if I'm looking at a franchise would be, A, you always have to talk to existing franchisees, and then you ask them, are they uh, actively building more units? And um, if they say yes, I mean, then then you definitely, now if they say no, because I can't, because there's no room for me to do it, that's one thing. But um, sure. I mean, certainly yeah. if you're you know, and then you know, but what? But a brand like yours, I mean, you're you're actively growing, and but you're not just like just selling a bunch of units to random people off the street. I mean, your existing operators are stepping in, and they're they're building more units because their same sort of sales are up. Absolutely, and you know, a lot of a lot of work behind the scenes goes into that, and, and most of your listeners will will probably know this, but. Uh, in my tenure as CEO, we've created uh, what's called our – our name is Tropical Franchisee Council, but, it, but it's a franchise advisory council uh, made up of 12, uh, 12 franchisees diverse across the country in terms of uh, units and, and makeup and number of cafes that they, they work with. And that Tropical Franchisee Council then underneath it has about six different committees, whether it's construction committee, technology committee, et cetera. That is, to me, the secret sauce. You have to have that relationship, and you have to get buy-in and have those franchisees come along. So we've been able to set up structures whereby that partnership is cemented even more. And and by the way, uh, they push on us, and we push on them. Um, But it leads to more buy-in, which net-net end result, if things are going well, leads to alignment and leads to more development because mm-hmm. it's the transparency associated with what we're working on uh, that affects that franchisee in, in Des Moines or in Atlanta or wherever it is. They know that they've got a voice uh, both individually and through the specific organizations we've set up. And, and that's something I'm really proud of and feel really good at because, to me, that's, that's the baseline. That's the relationships uh, that matter in order to drive the longer term growth of the of the brand, and I think we've done a, a pretty good job at that. We're always always striving to get better. Right. And 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 last question: You think key a key element going forward and continuing to drive same store sales so these franchisees can 
um, be willing to uh, build more units is 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 on the digital front, generating more sales through delivery and through digital and through your app and um, and you know and through these other sources. I, I, absolutely, one hundred percent. And I would put it in terms of Tropical Smoothies' vision and, and, and mission, kind of all together, is to to help our consumers to be better. Right? We want to be. We want to provide healthy optionality. For our consumers, and we believe the way to do that is to make make working with Tropical Smoothie and getting our products wonderfully effortless. Right, the wonderful part to me is is we have to have wonderful products, right? But we then need to make it effortless. So a majority of our investment, really all of our investment, is how can we get our fantastic products into consumers' hands as easily as possible, however they want to do it. So I want to be effortless in every area. I want to I want to have a great Walk in and order at the at the register. I want to have a great order ahead. I want to have a great third party delivery. I want to be able to meet the guests where they are, how they want to consume our products. So that's what all of our uh, all of our focus is going to be. You can call it convenience. You can call it uh, whatever you like, but it's being able to fulfill the guest needs how and when they want uh, at all times. So that's what we're striving for. That's our that's our vision to continue to grow comp sales. Uh, along with continuing to develop great products that we can then sell through those channels. Fantastic. Well, sir, uh, this was this was excellent. I really appreciate you taking the time out for us this week. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Jonathan. We in the restaurant business frequently celebrate the concept of growth as the ultimate symbol of success. But that's not always the case. Many brands will aggressively add locations and accept weaker unit volumes in the process. That can be a major red flag, particularly in the franchise business, where many growing concepts will do whatever they can to add franchise fees and royalties without paying enough attention to what really matters, unit-level profitability. Growing unit sales without also growing unit volume is pointless. The lesson from chains like Tropical Smoothie is that true success requires both, and one will frequently beget the other. If you're growing unit volumes, your operators will grow units. You will also find it much easier to get new franchisees into a system. Consequently, brands that see sales begin to struggle should be quicker to rethink their development strategies, perhaps slowing down earlier than they would otherwise to ensure those unit volumes are protected. There are numerous stories of brands that grew aggressively, adding units or signing on franchisees at a rapid pace and spreading all over the place. They win awards and get praised by media members like me, only to collapse later on because their stores couldn't make any money. And that's it for this week's edition of A Deeper Dive, which, as always, was edited by Christine Cawthon. Artwork by Sarah Stewart and Nico Hines. You can find this and other episodes on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash podcast. You can also find them on iTunes, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host and podcast producer and the executive editor of Restaurant Business Magazine. Thank you for listening.